0: Well, welcome everybody. My name is Greg, and I'm excited to continue on in our series, our Advent series called God With Us. You know, in August of 1888, the Columbia Chess Chronicle published an article, and that article was called Anecdote of Morphe. And what this, and this article told was the story about Paul Morphy, who was the world champion chess player at the time. He was invited to a dinner party at a house. And as a guest, he was in the house and he noticed this painting hanging on the wall. And the name of that painting was Checkmate, Checkmate. And in this painting, Paul Morphy began to just stare into it and and gaze at it. And you see in this painting, Satan in a chess match against a young man. And at stake was the young man's soul. And if you look at the painting closely, you'll see that the game had reached a point where that young man had no more moves. He had no more options. It was a checkmate. And the painting depicted this look of utter despair on that young man's face as he realized that all has been lost. Well, Paul Morphy is staring at this painting and he's just gazing intently into it quietly. And then after a moment, he breaks the silence and he says, Wait, there's still one more move. There's still one more move, let me make the move. And he called for a real chessboard and he set up the pieces according to how it was in the painting. He set it up exactly like it and he said, let me make the move. And in one move, he not only was able to save the man, if he would, from losing his soul, but in that same move, he would give the young man the victory. Paul Morphy, in a sense, stepped in To make the move. Last week we kicked off this Advent series that we're calling God with Us. And really, what this series is about is about a king who stepped in to make his move. God stepped in to make his move. I shared some background, some context last week about King Ahaz who was the king of Judah and he was living in fear because the two kings from the north was coming to attack him and then he had the threat of the Assyrian empire captivating the entire kingdom and it seems like King Ahaz was backed into a corner with not many options. Checkmate. But God knew that That it wasn't over for King Ahaz, and it wasn't over for the nation of Judah. But God was going to step in, and he was going to make the move. And to assure King Ahaz that he would do so, he sent Isaiah the prophet to go share with him this prophecy. And so Isaiah says to King Ahaz in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. He says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then a couple chapters later in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah prophesies again. He says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Last week, we looked at how this child who was born unto us is our wonderful counselor. Today, I want to show you how this child born unto us is El Gibor, El Gibor, which is translated mighty God. And El Gibor. is emphasizes the fact that Jesus is powerful, Jesus is strong, Jesus is able, Jesus is mighty. But this baby who was born isn't simply mighty because anybody can be described of as mighty, but Isaiah makes it very clear. He is El Gabor. He is mighty God, meaning God himself was stepping into our world. God himself was coming down to make the move and establish his kingship. I have a question though as I think about this passage. If a mighty God is going to save the day, if a mighty God was gonna come, why does Isaiah's prophecies that we just read have us focus on a baby? Why does it point to a child in whom we are supposed to put our hope and trust? Why a baby? Why a, ch- why a child? Why not just fast forward to to the good part, to the final product? And I think there are two powerful lessons that I I believe we can learn about the birth, about the arrival of this baby. Would you join me in prayer? I want to pray again for the word and ask the Lord to lead us into the truth that will change our lives. Would you guys join me? And Lord, I specifically pray for people watching right now. God, Lord, you know what they're going through. You know what they've experienced. You know what losses that they've had to endure. You know what deaths some people have experienced. God, you know where we're at, and I pray that your word would prove to be alive and powerful. God, that you would meet each person where they are at. God, speak to show us that this text written 2,700 years ago is relevant and it still works in our lives and in our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you come and teach us? We are your students, God. I am your student and I pray that you would Really do a deep work in us, a work that we will not quickly forget or move on past. But Lord, we pray that it will continue to change us daily. So Lord, this is your time. Lord, we want to give to you and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask how many of us have experienced some kind of unexpected loss? How many of us, maybe this year or at some point in your life, have experienced a Death of some sort, and that might be a physical death that you're grieving, or that might be figurative, a loss that you're still battling through. And the reason I put it like that is I met with a group of pastors. We meet together once a month, and last week we met for the last time for, for 2020. And one of the pastors posed this question for us to go around and share. And he put it like this. He said, let's go around and share what deaths have we experienced this past year. And as we thought about it and we processed it out loud, I realized all of us have experienced loss. All of us have experienced the closure of church doors. One pastor shared how how some key pastors had stepped down from his staff. Another person shared how he experienced the death of a vibrant friendship, a relationship that was once tight and is no longer what it was. Another pastor shared how an elder had resigned from his board. Another pastor shared how a young lady in his church, a former member of his church, recently took her own life. All of us had different things to share. We all experienced some sort of death, some sort of loss. But here's the one thing we all had in common. It's all unpleasant and they were all unexpected. None of us saw this coming. None of us saw it coming. And I want to ask you as you're listening to think of it, if, if you haven't thought of it already, but what loss, what death have you experienced? Maybe it's the death of your financial security, the loss of a position or the loss of a job. Maybe it's the death of a beloved pet. Maybe it's the death of a marriage or a friendship. Maybe it's the loss of trust. Maybe it was the loss of influence. Maybe it was the loss of a physical ability. What have you experienced And going back to the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9, I want to turn you back. And here's what I believe is the hope we have when we put our trust in a baby. Here's what we have. If you're taking notes, would you write this down? God's might may be found in unexpected packages. God's might may be found in unexpected packages. Hundreds of years have gone by since this prophecy of a mighty Messiah coming to save the day. Hundreds of years have gone by. The Jews have been waiting. And then God goes silent for another 400 years. He doesn't speak to no prophets. No prophets have any message to give. 700 years go by. And then all of a sudden, the silence is broken when an angel speaks to this young woman named Mary. And here's what Luke chapter one records. In verse 30, the angel says this to her, "'Do not be afraid, Mary, "'for you have found favor with God. "'And behold, you will conceive in your womb "'and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. "'He will be great and will be called "'the Son of the Most High.'" And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Man, can you imagine what this kind of news does to a young woman like Mary to receive this kind of revelation? Because the angel basically told her that you're going to have a son, and the son inside of you is going to have the throne of David. That's in reference to the nation of Israel. And not only will your son assume the throne, but he will be a king forever. He will reign forever in the everlasting kingdom, just like the prophet Isaiah prophesied. And it just so happens that Mary is a virgin just like Isaiah specifically prophesied. And all this together can mean only one thing, that this child that this Mary bears is the Messiah King that everyone's been waiting for. This is the Savior of the world. Now, I don't know what dreams or hopes, or what expectations you've had, maybe in the recent past, or this past year. But I'm wondering if any of our hopes and expectations compare to Mary's in this moment, because what is Mary expecting? I'm expecting the king. I'm expecting the king. I wanna show you a picture. This is a picture of Prince William and Kate Middleton. And my wife, she absolutely loves Prince William and Princess Kate. She thinks she is the most beautiful woman in the world. By the way, she knows that I'm sharing this in case you're wondering. But my wife shares with me from time to time and reminds me that she was actually supposed to marry Prince William. They're about the same age and she she said she was supposed to marry him. In fact, when my wife Monica studied abroad in England, she really contemplated applying for the school which Prince William was going to be at just in case their paths would cross and fate would have it that Monica would be a Taiwanese princess of Great Britain. But she humbled herself. She reminds me all the time that she humbled herself to marry a peasant like me. Isn't she great? Isn't she wonderful? Well, when Prince William and Princess Kate got married and became pregnant, all of a sudden the world was paying attention to every detail. When they were pregnant, they gave him the royal treatment. This baby got the royal treatment. Of course, he's a royal baby. He's going to be the future king of England. And so you had reporters camping outside of the hospital for weeks leading up to this royal baby's birth. Why? Because the world cared and the world craved to know every detail about the royal baby. The royal mint of Great Britain issued a set of commemorative coins to honor the birth of this baby king, the first of its kind also his royal highness prince george of cambridge that's his official title that is his official name he was taken on a royal tour through various countries around the world so that he could be put on display for a captivated world audience to see and as he went from country to country there were countries that gave him a gun salute and by gun i mean cannons being fired off into the sky in countries not just like great britain but in new zealand in bermuda in canada they went the whole nine yards to give this baby the royal treatment of course he's the future king of england a king has been born mary was pregnant not just with any king this was going to be the king of kings this, this is the long-awaited the highly anticipated Messiah savior, everlasting king now ladies, if, if you were living back in that day and if God somehow chose you to give you the privilege of bearing inside of your womb the king of the universe, I, I want to say to you you're not crazy if you expect just a little bit of royal treatment. I ain't mad at you. You go, girl. Right? Yet, yeah, No, you should expect parties in your honor. You should expect servants at your feet. You should expect people cooking you meals. You should expect fancy pedicures and manicures. You should expect first class days in the fanciest of hotels. You deserve it for the king is within you. But talk about Death. Talk about the death of high hopes and the loss of great expectation. Talk about getting hit with the unexpected. Because what do we learn about this baby's birth? What do we learn about his entrance into the world? There were no fancy hotels. There were no Ritz-Carlton's, no JW Marriott's. There wasn't even Days Inn or Motel 6. There were no room in any inn for the birth of this baby. And Mary was left in a place where flies and odors and animals dwelt. I think back, I was thinking this past week of when my wife and I were expecting our first child. Baby Evan was going to come into the world and we were holed up in this hospital here in Torrance and I just remember after a couple days of being in the hospital, we were asking ourselves, when do we get to go home? Like, when when can we finally go back to our own home? And the the nurses would come in and every time we'd ask them, do we get to go now? Can we go yet? And it's just like, we just wanted to be in our own bed. We wanted to take a shower in our own shower. We were homesick, really. We were homesick. We wanted to go home. But when I think about it, you know, here in Torrance, if you're familiar with the area, we have some pretty nice hospitals here. We really do, like Torrance Memorial Hospital, Little Company of Mary. These are great places to deliver a baby. And and at a time where we just wanted to get out of there so that we could go home, I think about it, it really wasn't that bad of a stay. In fact, it was a great stay. And I have to think about why is it that they wanted to keep us there? Well, the hospital was being hospitable so that they could take care of us. They brought us blankets and pillows. They brought us meals at every meal of the day. Both staff brought us meals and family and friends brought us meals. Family members came by, mothers and mothers, mother-in-laws. They brought us DVDs to keep us entertained on our color TV. It was comfortable and we were being taken care of. They wanted to make sure baby was okay, that mommy was okay, and even daddy was okay. And as much as my wife and I were eager just to get out of there and go home, to be able to leave the hospital, I think back to that first Christmas and I realized that this young mom, Mary, She didn't get the luxury of a Torrance Memorial Hospital. There was no little company of Mary. Actually, there was, wasn't there because the little company that Mary did had was just that, it was very little. There were no nurses, no staff, no crowds, no paparazzi, no reporters, no mothers, no mothers-in-law, even that would be great at a time like that, no servants, no helpers. The little company that Mary had was maybe a pig and a donkey, maybe a billy goat and a cow. And I could imagine the great disappointment of this unexpected package surrounded by this unexpected circumstance. And I could almost hear frustration, disappointment. She must have been thinking, God, I thought you said that there was a king inside of me. I I thought I could have sworn Isaiah said that this was going to be mighty God. I'm not quite sure this is God inside. Because from the look and the smell of things around here, I think things have been a little messed up. I don't know if this is Messiah. I think this is a mess up. And if I were Mary, I think I would be grieving the death of any hope for a royal entrance. This is not what I expected. This is not what I expected. I think back, man, it was so unfortunate that there at that first Christmas, Mary didn't have the New Testament to fill her with hope. The New Testament hadn't even been written yet. But how amazing and powerful would have been if she had Ephesians chapter 1 to turn to on that morning after delivering this baby? And if you could just hear the words of Paul in Ephesians 1, when in verse 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the incomparably great power. It's the word for might that's available for us who believe that power that might is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. What is Paul saying? He says, "I pray that you know that your eyes would be open to the fact that there is power. There is resurrection power in Jesus Christ." It raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God. Is there anything greater in power and might than the power of the resurrection? Is there any greater demonstration of God's mighty power than the fact that he is able to give life to that which is dead? That is the greatest miracle and exercise of might. And Mary, this birth and this baby may not be what you were expecting. And this circumstance, this lowly birth, this mild and meek delivery may not have been what you're hoping for. But listen, Mary, our mighty God, our mighty God will be made manifest in this tiny little package. The mighty resurrection power of God will come out of this tiny little package. When I was in that meeting last week with these pastors and we were going around and sharing what deaths and what losses we had experienced this past year. It was quickly followed by what God was now doing. And the good news of how God was working through this, these situations. And I, as I listened to each pastor share, there was this, this truth that kept pounding on my heart every time another pastor shared. And it was this phrase that in Christ, death results in resurrection. In Christ, death result in resurrections. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by resurrection? I, I mean this that by the might of God, by the mighty power of God, He is able to give life to that which is dead. He is able to raise us up out of the ashes. He's able to take our mourning and turn it into dancing. He's able to shed light on our darkness. He's able to give hope in hopelessness. He's able to take that which is broken and make it stronger. He's able to take that which has been lost and give us something greater. Our God is the God of resurrection. He raises us up out of the ashes. And if our Christ has already flexed his power and he has himself risen from the grave, he has raised himself from the dead, demonstrating that he is indeed mighty God, then is there anything that our Christ cannot do? Is there anything in your life or my life that is too hard? for our king. He's already resurrected from the dead. There is nothing difficult for him. And so listen, if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, watch how he can take that which is dead and raise us up out of the ashes. Watch how he can take our unexpected losses, our unexpected deaths, and raise us up out of the ashes. We went around and one pastor shared how yeah he had lost some pastors from his staff but ever since then God has already brought a new pastor to the staff and the whole team is excited about what 2021 is going to look like with this new dream team as he described it. Another pastor shared about the death of a relationship that was once vibrant but even since then, God has been restoring and redeeming that relationship, making it even healthier than it was before. The elder who had had an elder resign, stepped down, and that was a loss, but, but many voices in church agreed on a, another godly man in the church who they have invited on to become an elder, and they are now excited for new growth in the new year. One by one, we began to see that even in loss, God is raising us up by his might and his power. Mary's baby wasn't born with pomp and circumstance, but rather Mary's baby was born in this unexpected circumstance, meek and mild, lowly and low key. But God's might is often manifested in even the most unexpected packages and the most unexpected circumstances. And I wanna say, listen, death is inevitable. We'll all experience loss and death in 2020 and I promise you probably in 2021 as well. But if you are in Christ, death results in resurrection. Resurrection. If you are in Christ, deaths result in resurrections. And I could almost hear right now through the camera, some of you right now in your hearts or in your living rooms, you're saying out loud, well, Pastor Greg, then why haven't I seen it? Then why haven't I experienced any resurrection? Why am I still here feeling like I'm sitting in the ashes? Why am I still here sitting in the dark, depressed and in despair? And I wanna say to you, if you are in Christ, hold tight. Because that leads me to my second point. Write this down if you can. God's might will be shown to those who wait. God's might will be displayed in the unexpected packages. But at the same time, we have to realize God's might will be shown to those who wait. Let me explain to you what I'm talking about. I go back to these prophecies. Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 9 and... I ask the question again, why does he prophesy for unto us a child is born, a son is given? Why focus on the arrival of a baby? Why not, Isaiah, just fast forward to the good parts. Why not say for unto us a king will appear riding on a mighty white horse. Why not tell us unto us a mighty man will come to save the day. He will assume the throne. A 33-year-old will come. And reign in power. Why focus on the arrival of a baby? And I'm wondering if announcing a baby carries with it the idea of waiting. I wonder if somewhere in this message is this idea that we just need to wait. You know, when Isaiah prophesied to King Ahaz in Isaiah chapter 7, that God is with us, and he says, this is a sign a child will be born of a virgin. The Hebrew word that Isaiah used is the word Alma. And Alma can be translated virgin, but it's also translated young woman. It could be either or. And so when he prophesies that God is with us and there's gonna be a baby born of Alma, we realize that this prophecy is an already But not yet, prophecy. In other words, it has a present fulfillment and a future fulfillment, which often is the case with Old Testament prophecies, right? It's kind of like this from a distance. You can see a mountain range, and it looks like just one mountain, but as you get closer, you realize that this mountain has multiple peaks. And we can often see a prophecy in the Old Testament, which seems like one prophecy, which it is, but that prophecy will have a present immediate fulfillment and a future fulfillment. And that's what we see going on here, because as King Ahaz is fretting about, what do I do? I'm backed into a corner. I'm about to be defeated by these two kings attacking me. It gets fulfilled in the next chapter, Isaiah chapter 8. And in the next chapter, a young woman and Alma gives birth to a son, happens to be Isaiah's son. And in Isaiah chapter eight, verse three and four, it says, before this baby, this child can even cry out for mommy and daddy, your enemies will be defeated. And sure enough, that's what history tells us. That's exactly what went down in history. This child, Isaiah's son is born of this Alma, this young prophetess, and within years, the kings of the north in assyria in syria and israel are defeated and it's proof that god was with him god was with judah but like i said there was a present fulfillment and the immediate fulfillment in isaiah 8 but then there was going to be an ultimate fulfillment a future fulfillment where god was going to come and be with us for good forever With the coming of a Messiah who will be a forever king, he will not die and his reign will be everlasting. And so the people of Israel wait another 700 years for this Messiah to finally come, to be born of an Alma, which we learn is this young woman named Mary, who is a virgin. And Galatians chapter 4 4 tells us that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, at just the right time, mighty God incarnate, God in the flesh, God stepped down to make his move, and he demonstrated his might through Jesus' birth, through Jesus' life, through Jesus' death, and through Jesus' resurrection. But Israel had to wait. Israel had to wait. And God's might will be revealed in the unexpected, but sometimes we have to wait. I mean, you go to Mary's story, look at Mary's story, and you think about this this young mom who had these great expectations. She's supposed to give birth to the Son of God. The King of Israel resides inside of her and once again, I only imagine disappointment and the failed expectations when she looks around at the humble circumstances surrounding the delivery of this child. What was it like on that cold Christmas morning? And if I could go back 2,000 years and if I could just speak to her and encourage young Mary, you know what I would say to Mary? I would say, Mary, just wait. Just hold tight. Just wait. Because Mary, I have come to know, I've come to read, I've come to experience what you do not yet know. He is mighty God. And I would say to her, Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? Like Mary, did you know that through your baby boy, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will rise again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak praises to our lamb. Mary, did you know that the sleeping child that you are holding is the great I am. He is mighty God. Just wait. And Mary had to wait 30 years to see this baby begin to flex his power. 33 years to see the veins protrude and the grave bust open and mighty God to fully be revealed through this tiny little package. You know, Christmas points us to a baby. It points us to a child. And what I'm learning this year is that beholding this baby Jesus is a lesson for me to learn how to wait. It's teaching me to wait, to just wait because God will flex his power in my life and in your life in his time, in his perfect timing. God's might will be revealed To those who wait. I don't know what you're waiting for right now. Maybe you're waiting for God. To show you that he is mighty to save. That family member or that friend. Or maybe you need proof from Jesus that he is mighty to heal that sickness or that cancer. Or maybe you need proof that he is mighty to provide for your kids and your spouse. Maybe you need proof that he is mighty to win battles. He is mighty to carry you. He is mighty to vindicate you. He is mighty to resurrect you out of the ashes. And you need proof that there is power in Jesus. You may feel tired and you may feel faint and you may feel disappointed and deflated. And I can't go back 2,000 years to encourage young Mary, but I can encourage you on this Christmas. And my encouragement to you, friends, is wait. Just wait. Fix your eyes on this Jesus who is God with us. Just wait. Because the Isaiah who had prophesied that unto us a child will be born and he shall be called mighty God. That same Isaiah also said in Isaiah 40, verse 29. He says to us, he gives power. He gives might to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even you shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait... They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. I'm here to remind you that God's might can be found even in the unexpected packages, in the unexpected circumstances, in the unexpected losses that life throws at us But I also want to remind you, God's might will be shown to us who wait. When we wait upon the Lord, hold tight. He will show you he is mighty God. I want to close. and. At our Tuesday night prayer meeting this past week, Matt Smith joined us for prayer and he he shared this illustration that was so good and so insightful. And I told Matt, I said, that is so good. I'm going to have to steal it and use it in a sermon and tell everybody it was for me. So Matt Smith, if you are watching now, I told you it was going to happen. But he was sharing the story where he's been playing chess with his son Nate. Nate. And they've been playing the game of chess, and he says God's been giving him insight and life lessons to share with his son. And he wanted to share with us this this revelation. He said, when you play chess, and if any of you guys have played chess, you know what he's talking about. But he says, when you play chess, you're going to lose pieces. You're going to experience loss. And a lot of times when the other player takes your rook or your knight or your bishop, a lot of times you didn't see it coming. Like, I didn't plan to lose that piece. And we're going to lose pieces unexpectedly. Here's what he said that was so good. He says, but when you lose those pieces, we can't focus on what we've lost. We just got to focus on what do we still have. What do we now have and how can we move forward from here? And I thought that was so good. And then Pastor Dan chimed in and he said, that's true. And as long as you still have your king, you're still in the game. I love that double hit combo, that double truth combo. Focus on what you have. And if you still have your king with you, you're still in the game. Christmas is the good news that our king has arrived. And our king has stepped down to be with us. And if you had the king with you, you're still in the game. And if at the end of the game, you still have the king with you, you win. Check me. I thank God that our king will never leave us. He is here to be our ever lasting king, for he is El Gabor, mighty God. Would you guys bow your heads and would you pray with me? And I want to give an invitation to any of you who have never invited the king into your heart, into your life. He came to enter into your life, to make the move, to save you, to give you life, to Have you experienced the power of resurrection? He came to breathe life into that which is dead. And so the gift this Christmas for you is Jesus Christ to be your king. And so I wanna invite you, the Bible says, if you believe by faith, you'll be saved. There's nothing you need to do. There's no money you need to shell out. You believe that he came for you, that he died for you and rose for you you will be saved. And so I'm gonna pray a prayer. And, And I want you to pray along with me, whether you pray out loud or in your heart, but talk as if you're talking to God and pray a prayer like this. Father God, thank you so much for Christmas because it is a time when you step down to make a move. And that move was to give us Jesus to be the king of our hearts, the king of our lives. I believe that Jesus came and that he lived and he died. I believe he has the power to resurrect for he rose again. I know there's a lot for me to learn and understand, but today and this day forward, I give you my heart, I give you my life, and I ask you, would you be my king forever? Help me to walk by faith. Thank you for the greatest gift. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I wanna invite you to let us know. Let us know in the chat right now if you're watching from YouTube or church online, or you could email us at hello at South Bay Community Church. Let us know you made a decision. We wanna follow up with you. We wanna pray with you. We wanna get you connected so that you can grow in a new relationship with Jesus Christ.